Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 8, when the Most High, everybody know who he is? When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Boy, I love verse 9. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth her wings, taketh them and beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Who aren't you thankful for a God that'll stick with you in the wilderness? Hallelujah. There may not be anybody else around, but God doesn't need company. He can lead you all by himself. I want to speak tonight on this subject, most favored nation most favored nation would you bow your heads and pray lord we're thankful to be in your house tonight thankful for your word thankful for your spirit all the presence of god that we feel in this place tonight i ask you lord that you would just have your way let this building god become the arena of your favor your presence your shekinah glory let it fill this house from the ceiling to the floor, from the east to the west and the north to the south. Hallelujah. Let us sit in heavenly places. Cause us to rise up tonight, O Lord, and recognize who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. In the field of law, there is something called the most favored nation status. It simply means that if a plaintiff has settled first for a lesser amount and another plaintiff of the same case and the same suit settles later for a greater amount, that earlier settled case gets a check for the difference between the two cases so that the earlier plaintiff is never penalized with less money for settling first. That earlier plaintiff has a most favored nation status because he or she got the defendant to agree to sign that particular clause, that particular agreement when the first part of the case was settled. It's not automatic. Just because you settle first doesn't automatically mean you have most favored nation status. But if you can get the defendant to agree to sign the most favored nation status, giving you the right to not only what you're receiving now, but if down the road, doesn't matter how long it is, somebody else settles from that case for more money, they got to come back and make things right with you because you've got most favored 
nation status. It can be 20 years down the road. It could be 50 years down the road. But you got to go back and make things right to the one who has the most favored nation status to make sure that nobody else is ever going to be in a better position, is ever going to get more money than what the most favored nation, that plaintiff that settled early. This is a term that goes beyond even the legal field. It's a term that we heard used even last year in the Trump administration when they were negotiating with Big Farm over the cost of prescription medicines. The Trump administration wanted the pharmaceutical companies to match whatever that drug could be bought for in another country. The U.S. pharmaceuticals had to match that price for the U.S. Because that pharmaceutical company is based in the U.S., so the U.S. customers would have most favored nation status. And so that U.S. customer would not have to go to Mexico and other nations to get their medical treatments or to get their pharmaceutical drugs, but instead the U.S. drug companies would have to match it and they would have to give United States consumers most favored nation status. Well, U.S. Farm obviously did not agree, so the Trump administration did an executive order in September of 2020, forcing the pharmaceutical companies, of course the pharmaceutical companies said, we have to charge more because that's where our research and development comes from, and if we, if we start doing that, then what'll happen is, we won't be able to do the research and the development that's necessary to come out with all of the new drugs and the new vaccinations and so forth. But the Trump administration's position was, if you're here in the United States and you're benefiting from this country, then the citizens of the United States should have most favored nation status. If you wanna charge more in Dubai, go ahead and do it. But the US population should have most favored nation status. Of course, they didn't agree to that and the executive order was signed and I'm not sure it's probably been overturned by this point. But it's the same principle as we see in the legal field. Whatever individual or class that has most favored nation status is always going to be made whole. You see, my friend, Many times in the American jurisprudence system, we base our law on the common law. And the common law came out of England, and much of it was based on scripture. I tried to write about that in my first book, The Supremacy Clause. But recently, when I heard that legal term being used over and over again, most favored nation status, I, I began to realize it must have come from scripture. Where do you just come up with the term most favored nation status? So I started researching the scriptures and I find that God gave most favored nation status to Israel through Abraham. He established the boundaries based on Israel having most favored nation status. It did not matter how long it would take if another nation was blessed, like Egypt, 
The law of most favored nation required that Israel would also be blessed in kind. That's why Joseph was strategically placed in Egypt so that Israel could share in the blessing. And when a new Pharaoh ascended to the throne that did not have a relationship with Joseph or his kindred, the Egyptians enjoyed the blessing of wealth but did not share it with the Jews. They put the Jews in slavery. They put the Jews in a subservient position. That's okay, because God keeps good books. I said, God keeps good books. And as the children of Israel are leaving Egypt, wait just a second, before you guys leave Egypt, we gotta make something right because your most favored nation status. It's time to pay up. So before Israel was able to leave Egypt, the Bible says that the neighboring families, the, the children of Egypt, the people that were their neighbors that were residents and inhabitants of Egypt, those Egyptian neighbors, they gave the children of Israel their wealth on the night that they were to leave. I mean, they were bringing by gold and silver, precious jewels. They probably could not even understand what came over them to make them wanna do it. They just came from all over Egypt and started piling on the wealth and giving it to the children of Israel. And the children of Israel were on their way out headed into the wilderness, but they were not leaving as slaves because God said it doesn't matter how long, it doesn't matter if it's 400 years of slavery, I'm gonna make things right before you go into the wilderness. I've come to preach to somebody tonight. I don't know what you've been going through, but I've come to tell you, you've got most favored nation status. If you're a born-again believer, if you've been buried in the name of Jesus, if you've been washed by his blood, you may be in a trial right now, and you may be struggling right now, but God's going to have the final say. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 35, when the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed. <laughs> I like that word. They borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required and they spoiled the Egyptians, never having to raise a sword to conquer anybody. But God just put it on the Egyptians' hearts. Take all your wealth and give it to the children of Israel. Oh, my friend, you don't understand what God's fixing to do. You tried to live righteously and it looks like everybody's being blessed but you. 
You see your neighbors down the street. You see your co-workers. You know the kind of life that they live, and you wonder why they're being blessed, and here you are sacrificing, trying to live by biblical principles and do the right thing. I've come to tell you a word from the Lord. It's not over with yet. You've got most favored nation status. You're the child of the king. Oh, hallelujah. You're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. It may look like the wicked are prospering, but before it's all over, he's going to make things right with his people. I'm here to tell you, you've not wasted one day that you brought your family to the house of God. You've not wasted one minute that you bowed your knee to pray. You've not wasted not one check that you gave sacrificially to the house of God. God keeps good books. And when it's all said and done, he's going to make everything right. Mm. You're going to be enriched. You're going to be blessed and no man can deny it. You're working hard, you're living right, you're doing everything you know to do, and yet it's easy to look around and to wonder. David did it. He was a friend of God, had a tremendous gift of worshiping the Lord and being in his presence, and yet he said, I looked around and it seemed like the wicked were prospering didn't seem like it was worthwhile to live right and to do right. But just hold on. I said, just hold on. Your reward is coming. When Paul was writing the book of Romans, he said that we Gentiles, we of the New Testament church, have been grafted in as the wild olive branch. In other words, we have become a part of that most favored nation status so that we have become the spiritual Jews. What promises God made to the Jews through Abraham, it has been extended to the children of God. This is what Paul was writing about in the New Testament, in the Pauline epistles, in the book of Romans. He was saying there's, there's been an amendment, there's been a codicil, there's been a new covenant arrangement. The Bible describes it as the Old Testament and the New Testament. You've heard your last will and testament. Testament is a contract. There's something powerful that happens in the legal arena. The document or the testament that is the most recent becomes the ruling document. If the new document incorporates the older document, it then has the power to add to it. The reason that Jesus and the apostles built their ministry on the foundation of the law. The Bible said Jesus said when he was come, he was come not to condemn but to fulfill the law. Paul said he believed all things which were written in the law and in the prophets. They referenced and incorporated the Old Testament so that the New Testament could encompass the fullness of the law. They said, hey, we are fulfilling the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. God is one and here is the revelation of that it is this that Jesus Christ is that one God 
And one day every knee's gonna bow and every tongue's gonna confess. But before that time, there's coming a revelation to the nation of Israel that he is our Messiah. And God is gonna come back for his people. Suffice it to say, we, we Christians, we apostolics, we Pentecostals that believe in the Holy Ghost outpouring that we read about in the book of Acts, that believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that we, we are not in a subservient position. We have become the most favored nation, not as a nationality, not as a government, but by the word of the Lord that binds us together. Let me read a little bit to you in Romans so I can make the case and and get you to understand who you are in Christ. Romans chapter four and verse 13 says, for the promise, what promise, what we just read about Deuteronomy 32, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world. He made that promise to the Jews. He said, my portion, my inheritance is going to Jacob. I led him in the wilderness, in the howling wilderness, in the desolate wilderness. I led him, I protected him, I provided for him as a mother eagle. Oh, hallelujah. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Paul is saying uh, that inheritance is not going down through the law. It's going down through the righteousness of faith. Verse 20, it said, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Oh, Paul is saying that Abraham was fully persuaded that what he had promised, that what God had promised him, he was able also to perform. He didn't see it maybe in his lifetime, but he believed it with all of his heart. And verse 22 says, and therefore it was imputed. That word imputed means credited. It was credited to him for righteousness. He was given a credit line that says it's there when you need it. You may not need it now, but if any time you need it, it was given to you on credit. Now, it was not written for his sake alone. It wasn't just to Abraham and the Jews that it was imputed or credited to him, but for us also. Paul is saying this extended beyond just Abraham and his seed. It was imputed or credited through righteousness, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed or credited. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, hallelujah. He's saying you're going to get some credit. You're going to get some blessing. You're going to be a part of the royal family. You're going to have most favored nation status. If you just I can't be saved by my own righteousness. I can't be saved by my own action. But I believe, hallelujah, I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Woo, hallelujah. 
you have credit that God is going to bless your children if you're faithful. You may not see it yet, but you got most favored nation status. He's given you credit for the life you are living. And one day, the credit is going to cash in. And the promise is going to be realized. So don't be weary in your well-doing. So many times it's easy to look around and it appears that everybody else is being blessed. You're working hard as a young person. Maybe you're a Bible quizzer. Others are sowing their wild oats, chasing girls. But you're building up some credit. It looks like you're being passed up. But there's coming a day when God's going to bless you beyond your wildest imagination. And you're going to marry up. And people are going to look at you and wonder, how did you marry her? (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, I I was at the funeral of a friend of mine that pastors up in the panhandle. And he was a little short, pudgy man and had a beautiful wife that was younger than him, tall and thin. One of the ministers got up to speak and he said, can I just be honest with you? When I first met brother and sister Baker, I wondered how did that man get that girl? That's what people think when they see my wife and I. How did he end up with her? Oh my. I just smile. I can tell they're looking at me thinking, he must have money. My wife likes to save all of her money all through the year, sometimes two years. She'll save everything that she gets, gift cards, dollar bills. She's got it in Ziploc bags and wrapped up in newspaper. And she wants to go over there to the Millennium Mall in Orlando and buy a nice purse. We went over there shopping a few years ago and the kids were little and man, we went in this store I didn't know how to act. I was like Shamu at Disney World. (laughs) They put me and the kids up on little stools and people, sales lady come out and got gloves on and started showing all these purses, you know. And I noticed that the lady kept looking at me. (laughs) Like, I don't know why she's with him. He must have the money. He's buying an expensive purse for her. I just kept saying, you know, whatever you like, honey, whatever you want, honey. And she got ready to, to, to purchase that. I mean, they had brought out Diet Cokes, waters for the kids. We were all sitting there at the counter like we would at an old 50s fountain shop. And my wife was trying to figure out what all she wanted. And finally, she opened up her purse 
and here came the Ziploc bags, <laughs> gift cards, and newspapers. And that sales lady, she looked at me with such disdain. And I was trying to redeem my reputation at that point. I said, she saves her money all year long. The more I talked, the more that woman just frowned at me. And I felt like I needed to do something to, to redeem myself. So I said, well, honey, what about the wallet? I can at least buy you the wallet. And then the lady started smiling again and out came more boxes and more gloves and and all of that, and finally I said, you know, is this what you want, the wallet? You know, I can at least get you this. And she said, oh, no, you don't have to do that. I said, no, I want to do it. You know, the whole time, that sales lady giving me the evil eye. <laughs> so finally I said, oh, great, I'll take, the, I'll take the, uh, the wallet. And she started ringing it all up, and I was paying by credit card. I didn't have the Ziploc bags and gift cards and newspaper wrapped 20s. I, I just had a credit card. And so she rung it up. I had no idea where I was at or what these things cost. But I know that when I put my credit card in there, that wallet was the most expensive wallet I'd ever seen in my life. And I said to the sales lady, no, no, I'm not buying the purse. I'm just buying the wallet. She looked at me and said, sir, that is the wallet. You can go ahead and be mad at us if you want to. You can go ahead and be critical of God's blessing on the church if you want to. But while you were getting stoned, I was memorizing the book of Mark. How? While you were getting drunk, I was going to youth camp. Oh, come on, you ought to get up and act, act like you're a chosen generation, not be hanging your head like you're some sort of forgotten stepchild. You are the mighty God in Christ, chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. While your friends were getting down on the wrong side of town, you were in the altar and you were building up some credit. How can Joel Urshan be so gifted and used God? Because at a 12-year-old boy, he was in his room listening to preachers on his cassette tape player, having church with his stuffed animals, preaching to the furniture. Dylan Morgan studying his Bible as a young teenager, studying hours every day, hungry for God. Bishop Myers giving up multiple football scholarships at 16 years old to get on a greyhound with a little lunch on his lap, boiled eggs given to him by his mother, and his mother running along the side of the greyhound bus with her hand on the bus crying 
as my dad was going to a Bible college in St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, Grandma, it's okay. Ellis is going to be all right. He's establishing some credit. He's going to be blessed. And God will provide. Oh, I remember years ago when my dad was finally able to get a nice car and some guy who had just got saved had the audacity to criticize my dad for having a nice car. I said, you don't know where my dad was while you were still trying to figure out which way was north. This man was interceding for your soul. I don't apologize for the blessings of God. I got most favored nation status. I don't apologize that God has blessed East Wind. I don't apologize that God's hand is upon your family. It's the favor of God. Talking to a young man the other day that hadn't been to church in a while. Called him up. Said, what's going on with you? I think he was stoned while I was talking to him. He said, I don't know if I'm coming back to church. He started listing a whole bunch of things. He said, I I don't think Dr. Myers ought to speak out in the middle of the service and give a message in tongues. Bible said that women ought to keep silent in the church. This little old snot-nosed kid that we pulled him out of the gutter gonna come up in here and say that Dr. Myers ought not to give a message in tongue and interpretation. Where were you when she was a 20-year-old girl leaving her Italian family in the Northeast, getting on a bus, getting on a train, going downtown to find a Pentecostal church? And then when her family came to Florida, didn't go back, but stayed in a little church and played the piano and lived in the pastor's home and then finally married a handsome young preacher right out of Bible school. Where were you at when they started evangelizing and didn't have two sticks to rub together? Where were you at in Port St. Joe when they came and repossessed our furniture and they took my bunk beds away as a kid? Where were you in the sacrifice? You were nowhere around, but now you got an attitude because there's a most favored nation status. You better learn how to rejoice with them that rejoice. You better learn how to get grafted in as a wild olive branch because there's favor and there's blessing. Had an evangelist get mad, tell Chris Green. Chris Green showed me the text. He said, you ought not to be in Palm Bay at East Wind. You need to get out of there. Evangelist that I love, respected very much. Brother Green showed me all the text messages. This guy, unbelievable, got the audacity. He said, Myers... He's a millionaire. 
he's going to leave you stuck up in that evangelist quarters. I'll have you know we got the best evangelist quarters in the UPC. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. People think we're millionaires. I let them think it. They think all y'all are billionaires. Because out of 5,000 churches, we're the seventh highest given church to global missions. <laughs> Said everybody down there, they're going to just use you up. Oh, my friend, I'm going to tell you something. You've got to get a spirit of rejoicing and celebration. Ooh, hallelujah. I said, there's favor coming. Sister Alexis Griffin winning teacher of the year. <laughs> winning teacher of the year at Anderson Elementary, her first year, a rookie teacher. They don't, they, all the teachers vote on that, but they don't vote for a rookie. They vote on somebody that's been there 20 years and been overlooked. Coming in her first year. And everybody recognizing something special about her. Oh. Yes, there is. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Most favored nation status. Why you got these children up here celebrating once again, them winning Bible quiz? Because out of that group's going to come CEOs. And out of that group, really going to come millionaires. Out of that group's going to come leaders. Out of that group's going to come people, hallelujah, that can change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that I've been grafted in as a child of Abraham. And God said, it may not be today and it may not be tomorrow, but you just hang on. Blessing is gonna come. It's okay, Abraham. Take your son, your only son Isaac to the mountain. God will provide himself a sacrifice. You've got most favored nation status. Abraham. God will provide a sacrifice. God is going to bless. Don't hang your head because you're a Christian. You are the most favored nation of the king of kings. We shall mount up with wings as eagles. We shall run and not be weary. We shall walk and not faint. Why? Because verse 11 of Deuteronomy 32 says, As an eagle stirreth up her nest and fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. Oh, my friend, you may live your life as a faithful man or woman and go to the grave, but down the road, the credit is going to be redeemed. I said the credit is going to be redeemed. The trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Every time you worship with heavy hands, you are building up some credit. Every time you pray with heavy hearts, you're building up some credit. Every time you dance, even if it's with the sacrifice of joy on loan from God, you're laying up treasures. 
stand to your feet tonight. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost just moving up in here right now. Mm, I feel a shift in the atmosphere. Come on, chosen generation. Come on, royal priesthood. Lift up your head, your redemption draweth nigh. He said, I'll make you the head and not the tail. <laughs> oh, he said, I'm going to make you uh, the blessor. Hallelujah. I've got windows of heaven that are going to open up. I'm here to tell you, there is coming an outpour on the people of God. There is coming a blessing and favor like you've never seen before. It's coming because God's hand is upon you. Here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight. I feel like God is trying to move us to a place of blessing. Maybe you got to come reluctantly, or maybe you can just run into it. But I'm praying that there would be a perspective shift in your mind. That you would not see yourself as the children of Israel saw themselves as they spied out the promised land. We are grasshoppers in their sight. Come on, you've been looking at yourself as a grasshopper too long. You are not a grasshopper. You are most favored nation. Credit has been given to you on loan from God. Ooh, hallelujah. Somebody's going to activate that blessing by praising God tonight. Come on, you got to look beyond your circumstances. Come on, Abraham. You don't see where there's a sacrifice. You're going to have to just climb up the mountain. But on the other side, invisible to you, there's an answer that's coming up. So I'm going to just keep on going to the top. And I'm going to offer up a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. Because when I get to the mountain, there's favor coming. There is a, a sacrifice provided by the Almighty God. Just before we sing, I want you to put that declaration up there, Brother Tyler, if you're still there. I want you to put it up on the board. Upon the authority and by the orders of your word, I have given. This is not just finances. I have given. You've given of your time. You've volunteered at the church. You came early for choir practice. You've been involved. You've been folding bulletins. You've been driving a van. I have given and it shall be given to me. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. 
I bring my tithe and my offering to you. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked and the curse is broken. I receive your blessings and the abundance that comes with them. Oh, you got to get a revelation that there's a blessing coming upon the people of God. You're not just some afterthought. You're the most favored nation of the God of heaven and earth. The one that sits upon the circle of the earth. The one who owns the cattle of a thousand hills. You're his child. I receive jobs and promotion, raises and bonuses, sales and commission, benefits and settlements, bills paid off and debts dismissed. I decree that my whole family will be saved and walk with God. Oh, my friend, you may not see it yet, but God's got his hand on your children. The blessing is going to the next generation. Come on, I want you to agree together with me. My whole family will be saved and walk with God. Come on, say it with me. My whole family will be saved and walk with God in health, in abundance, and in divine favor and blessings. I shall be blessed going in. And I shall be blessed going out. And all that I do will prosper. Let there be a shout in the camp of Israel. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Jesus. I feel like that. It's sort of like when Chuck Yeager was trying to break through the sound barrier. He got right up to it and just started getting all kind of shuddering on his plane. At one point he said it felt like the plane was going to come apart. Because right before you break through into your blessing, there's all kind of buffeting that takes place. And I feel like we're right there and we got all kind of buffeting that's taking place. But I feel like that if we can begin to worship God, not controlled worship, but worship God with a sense of absolute purpose, that worship will break through that barrier and will activate the blessing of God in your life. Instead of the singers saying he is for you, I want you to use your mouth and say he is for me. He is for me. He is for me. I feel like somebody's going to have to push through with worship and not worship God based on your feelings or your emotions, but worship him based upon what you know. I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know that my God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Oh, that's it. Use your mouth. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Shout unto him. Shout with the voice of triumph. Shout with the voice of victory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I remember, I remember Brother uh, Stone King speaking for a few minutes at the North American Youth Congress a few years ago, and he said that the, the enemy is the prince and the power of the air, but he said they have, they have been able to measure decibels and machines that measure that when you shout that it shreds the atmosphere. That the mere projection of your voice disrupts the particles of the air. The enemy thinks he's got a plan to keep you in a box. But when you begin to shout unto him, shreds the atmosphere. Ah! 
Lord with the voice of triumph. So let's see who's shouting and who's not. The first, the first group is all the ladies. I want all of you ladies just to shout as loud as you can on the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Men. Are you ready? One, two, three. That's 25 years old and younger. All you cool cats. Are you ready? Where are y'all at? 25 years and younger. Three, two, one. That's it. Brother Tom, they got all the energy. They got all the air. They got all the youth. Should we give them a chance to redeem themselves? Come on, you young people. 25 years and younger. Three, two, one. Everybody together, men, women, boys, girls, young people, shout, 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 shout.
victory in the power of the Holy Ghost. If God be for you, who can be against you? God bless you. We love you in Jesus' name.